crying tears of joy, like, I am dirt, I am dirt. <laughs> Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Alex Owens and I talk about psychedelics this episode. Content warning, neither of us are experts. This is not medical advice. Please do your own research and stay safe. Alex shares a story of ego death while on mushrooms and acid. We talk about why Alex started into psychedelics and why Alex stopped again. I discuss my experiences on mushrooms while also on escitalopram and SSRI. And Alex mentions possibly having borderline before starting into psychedelics. Please note that we acknowledge these are very high-risk behaviors and that they may be outside of your risk profile. We don't advise doing as we've done. We're just here to talk about our experiences. Also, here's kind of a love letter about taking care of yourself because you are special. Yeah, you. So let's talk about risk profiles. We all want to get our needs met. And let's take falling in love as an example, or fucking, or holding someone's hand and sharing a shy flirty glance. Glance. You know what? Let's just do falling in love. So often often getting our needs met comes with some amount of risk. And sometimes that's a really big risk. Sometimes that's a big risk because you're mixing psychedelics with an SSRI, like I did. Um, or maybe you're just risking rejection, which can feel soul-annihilating. A great poet once described falling in love as, quote, sick obsession, where she got, quote, strung out. I don't even think I can do this with a straight face, but I'm going to try. What seems like a very high cost for a fleeting high may be outside of your risk profile, and that's okay. Biomedical ethics tells us we can't make decisions for other people or presume to understand their human experience. So when this poet says, quote, the rush is worth the price I pay, end quote, we have to believe her. And for those of you who got the trolley dated reference, I'm truly sorry. So what that means is only you can decide what your risk profile is and what you're willing to risk for the experiences that you crave. Just remember, there are lots of things you can do to get the same high at a much lower risk price, so there's no need to be reckless. There are safer behaviors. You can always start small in dosage and work your way up. You can be with people who help you feel safe. You can be in an environment that is safe. You can do lots of Googling and researching. You can find community. You can ask questions and you can remember you know there's always going to be another chance later you don't have to do it all now there's no need to worry if things aren't kicking in after 50 minutes you don't need to take more you can give it hours and you know worst case you just have an experience where nothing happens that's okay because you can make space in your life for another experience so all i'll say is there there is always a chance that edibles can kick in later you are precious. Be well, friends. Now, let's listen to the session with Alex Owens here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Alex Owens, the OnlyFans content creator that you can find at onlyfans.com forward slash Owens VIP. 
They are a member of Bad Company Burlesque, and they're also part of a BIPOC burlesque and variety show collective Diasporic Dynasty, which is planning on putting on a show in Vancouver every couple of months, um, as soon as COVID allows them to. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Victor. Welcome, Victor, to your own podcast. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate being welcomed. You know, it's so rare people welcome me to the podcast. It feels good. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> um, so you were going to share some stuff about psychedelic experiences. And like, I'm super curious. How did you get into taking mushrooms? I guess the first time I took mushrooms was at a friend's house. Um, and they had some chocolate mushrooms. Um, and I was like, sure, I'll have some. And turns out I had a lot because like, I don't know how much I had. It was like some of the chocolate, you know, but it ended, I think like judging by my experience, I'm guessing that it was a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that experience, um, was, that is when I experienced, uh, ego death. I, wow. yep, I turned into pure energy. It was everything and nothing at the same time. And like, yeah. And myself, like my human self, like did not exist and was like totally just like not a thing. Um, and, uh, and then I felt, uh, like universal bliss. Um, and I realized that, uh, everything is made of love and love is the language of the universe. And that is really like the only thing that it was like really real. <laughs> That's so, totally normal. Yeah. It was a totally life changing experience. Like <clears throat> my perspective on everything changed drastically after that. Um, and that was my first experience on mushrooms. <laughs> That is so much more interesting than my first experience of just laughing extra hard at things. <laughs> that this is what happens if you, if you take a scientific approach as I do to everything, I literally weighed out exactly what I wanted to do for like, I like went to a dispensary. I got like golden teachers, which are the least, um, the least visual and like, um, auditory and the most like, of course, intellectual and therapy style mushroom you can get. And then I basically microdose them and gradually worked up my dose over multiple experiences to higher and higher doses. But the problem with doing that is that it's pretty effective at giving you some like lateral thinking and some like therapy type realizations. And it's really bad at giving you like ego death journeys, crazy, um, what's it called? Being a psychonaut and like traveling oh, yeah. to other dimensions and like totally. experiencing the universe as love and light. I've heard the same story that you just described, described to yeah. me by like many people who do psychedelics. Oh, totally. I think I did like 2.4 grams of mushrooms yeah. and felt basically nothing because I oh, think yeah. I'm on, I think it's cause I'm on escitalopram. So I think when you're on like an SSRI, like there's mm. some competition for receptors or something. So I think yeah. I, there might be a cap on like how much I can effectively dose my brain, which isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing, but it gets expensive to just like <laughs> giggle a little bit and be taking a huge dose when you can yeah. just take a small dose. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. Wow, that is like a lot to not experience like anything on. So Agreed. Um, I hope that's like safe that like doing that in SSRIs is like safe because I don't know, I hear like uh, maybe you're not supposed to like do them at the same time because that can like yeah. be bad for you. Well, I mean, the biggest the biggest concern is things like serotonin syndrome, but like, yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone giving themselves serotonin syndrome just eating mushrooms. So oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's possible theoretically, but like, I don't think it's practically realizable. And I also feel like the symptoms of serotonin syndrome, um, like being nauseous, being like flushed and like all of the like brain fog and like all, all of that, like, I don't, I don't even know if I'm describing it very well, but that whole clusterfuck of having serotonin syndrome, mm -hmm. it's something I've never experienced. And I'm on an extremely low dose of escitalopram. Okay. So I actually don't know exactly why I didn't experience much. I got like pretty giddy and like laughy but i don't know the whole like psychedelic like impairing your brain's ability to like filter out negative stimuli thing like i am not experiencing that like i'm not experiencing the ego death that sort of is the conscious experience of that mm. so i don't know uh, it's just not something that's affected me the way it's affected like literally everyone else i talk to so i Maybe. still encourage people to, to do that to start small and work up small oh totally yeah so would i <laughs> Um, but you know, like maybe that's just not what you personally need, you know, like maybe you don't need that. Maybe you like already on some level, like know the things or like you need to learn something else than mushrooms can provide or something like, yeah. I always find that, you know, like, even if like you have like intention setting is like good and stuff, but like I find with mushrooms, it's really up to the mushrooms what your experience is because you always get what you need and not what you want necessarily. <laughs> I've also <laughs> heard that. That's such good advice. Seriously, every time. It's just mm. the best advice I can give is just to be like open, receptive, go with the flow. Whatever is mm. going to happen is what you most need at this moment. That's mm. how I choose to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give people that are starting out on mushrooms or just considering starting into mushrooms? Because in Vancouver, it's basically gray area legal right now. You can just walk down to a dispensary and get mushrooms. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, I would just say like Google as much as you can, like read other people's experiences online. Um like familiarize yourself like on the doses, um, what kind of experiences go with like what level of doses, um, like familiarize yourself with harm reduction, like learning about like the importance of like set and setting and like making sure that you're taken care of for the duration of your trip and you're with someone you trust, et cetera, et cetera. Like this setup is really important, I feel, just so you can relax and really get the most out of your trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All really good advice. Yeah. To sort mm -hmm. of do your own research in advance is always a really good piece of advice. Totally. Um, tell me more about this, about your first mushroom experience and like what conclusions you drew from that, like for moving forward in your relationship to psychedelics. Mm. Um, well, uh, oh, to do with my relationship with psychedelics in the future. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, just basically, like, how did your first trip affect 
your next trip? Like, did you decide to do another trip right away or did you like take some time to process? I think I definitely took some time to process. Um, I honestly can't remember what my next trip after that was. Um, I was also like experimenting with like other psychedelics kind of like around that time as well. So yeah. Um, but I do have a memory of like, uh, kind of like bigger dose. I think I did like three grams. I was with a friend, um, at Stanley park. Um, and we were like walking around and you're like kind of on these hills. I'm not even sure what part of Stanley park we were at, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, and there was like these big kind of like hollow trees, you know, those like hollow trees around Mm -hmm. and I went oh before I get here something fun that happened is that like we were in the forest and everything like suddenly like looked like an Emily Carr painting and I was like oh my god this makes a lot of sense now like Emily Carr's painting (laughs) yeah I'm like oh that's cool um anyways back to my main story so I went inside one of these big uh, trees and like the air inside the tree was like so quiet, but it was so like alive. It was just so alive. It felt, yeah. Um, and so I put like either hand on like either side of like the tree inside and I just like stood there and I don't know what led me to do this. I just did it. Um, and like, all of a sudden, like within like a second, I got all this information of like all the trees, like in the world, like connected to each other. And I like simultaneously, I felt like all the growth and like all the destruction and all the communication. And I really like felt like the tree, like consciousness that exists and Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, in like a split second. And like, I just like, I released my hands and like, I was just like, floods of tears like whoa and then I like I I went out and I like told my friend and I was really like also feeling like very connected to everything like the boundaries of myself and like everything else was like kind of like porous Mm -hmm. and I like forget exactly what led to this, but at some point I was like rolling around on the ground, like crying tears of joy. Like I am dirt. I am dirt. <laughs> and was, Amazing. It was so profound. <laughs> Just like so beautiful. I am dirt. <laughs> yeah. So that was a good day. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested to hear about psychedelic experiences because mm-hmm. this idea of like of trauma and its interconnectedness with like the way our hippocampus and like amygdala sensor and process experience, like the whole post-traumatic stress disorder, like all there are all these pieces around how our brains respond to stress and why that's evolutionarily like beneficial, but then how like in a hyper-connected, hyper-stimulated world, how that's not necessarily 
best for you as a human being now. And like Dr. Gabor Mate talks a lot about use the use of psychedelics and treating, you know, responses to trauma and like Mm, talks mm. a lot about having like disjointed even childhoods and like recovering from a childhood where you were like perpetually stressed. Right. And I think he kind of touches a little bit like he doesn't talk about complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I don't think maybe he does. Either way, what I'm recalling of Gabor Mate's work yeah. is that it, it really, like, brought up a lot of, what was his name, Pete something. Um, I'm going to Google it right now so I don't lead people okay. astray. But um, complex PTSD, it was Dr. – who's the doctor that came up with that? Pete Walker, that's who it was. So basically, Dr. Pete Walker wrote this book about how, like, when you're – how much do you know about CPTSD? Um, Like, a little bit. Amazing. I just didn't yeah. want to like be like mansplaining all of it to you. Um, but oh, I no. also want to. Yeah. I've heard like some people talk about it on like podcasts and stuff, but yeah. It's also important like for me to earmark for like listeners, like, oh, here's some of the information and here's where you can go to like get more as opposed to just like mm-hmm. launching into it with someone who knows about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, it's like when you have these stressful experiences as a child and you just keep having these experiences. Um, or where you have a stressful experience and you aren't able, you don't learn the skills or you don't have the help to learn how to regulate your body and come back down to a place of rest. So you experience basically chronic stress as a child and eventually your brain gets sort of attuned to being in chronic stress and your adrenal system gets attuned to being in chronic stress can cause all kinds of really crappy outcomes as an adult. Um, and psychedelic drugs, according to Dr. Mate, have a huge role in potentially treating that and helping you get away from it. And as someone who scores pretty high on the ACE survey, that's like the adverse childhood experiences survey. It's like 10 experiences that like, did these happen to you before the age of 18? And I think I'm like a four or a five on it. Like I, I might be a five. Anyways, it, it basically means like I have like a huge increased probability of being depressed. Um, and of course, I'm diagnosed with major depressive disorder. I have a huge increase of suicidality in my risk profile. So like something like 2100% higher or something insane like that. Last time I looked, it was like really, really high. Um, and I'm like, oh, that scans. Like I was suicidally depressed for like pff, a long time, like probably 10 years of my life. And like mm. looking back on that now, I'm like, how was this never identified in childhood? Like, why was I, you know, like my first suicide attempt where I like had a plan and tried to execute was like seven. I'm like, how did like mm. none of this ever get caught? And like, I didn't get depressed into, with, I didn't get, um, sorry, um, diagnosed with depression until 34. I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until 35. It's like nuts that I'm only just looking at this now. So when you talk about like, you know, I'm so frustrated that like, it wasn't until 18 that I started trying to build this picture of who I am. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that the way I socially interacted with people was like deeply shaped by my ADHD until like literally six months ago. Mm. (laughs) That's new. But what I was trying to talk about was this idea that psychedelic drugs interrupt the way that we like trauma sensor our world and can create a sensorial experience where like things are coming straight in instead of going through a filter, which is why when you use the word porous, I'm like, that's such a good word to describe it. Mm. Um, this experience I've never had mm. um, yeah. I've been like looking for. Um, but there have also been a lot of conversations around like, Oh, well, if you're finding mushrooms aren't working for you, just go to acid or just go to like, you know, if you really want to go whole hog, just go to DMT. And I'm like, I kind of want to work on mushrooms for a bit longer before I move yeah. up to acid or DMT. But it is an experience I want. Like I want to be able to pull down some of those walls. And my hope is that it will lead to treatment of, of, you know, psychosomatic 
conditions like IBS and like, you know, chronic dysfunction of my digestive tract, which is often linked to things like brain disorders, because most of the serotonin in the human body is going to be in your enteric nervous system, like in your totally. guts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually diagnosed with, um, bipolar in high school. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and then like, early adulthood, I started experimenting with mushrooms and other psychedelics. Around that time, I felt, because I was on meds for bipolar, I was on Lamotrigine, um, I, I felt like, like it made me feel like stupid, like slow, like intense brain fog. And I felt like, oh, I think I want to like get off this med. So I started to gradually like wean myself off it. Um, at the same time, like starting to do like psychedelics. And I have done like a fair amount, like sessions of like um, mushrooms, um, acid, like some other more like uh, research chemical type of um, psychedelics, um, MDMA as well, uh, and others. Um, and I was listening to this podcast, which is very good. I think you'll really like it. It's called Smart mm -hmm. Drug Smart. Love it. Um, and I don't think it's on like regular podcast like things. I think it's just like on their website. Um, but anyway, so I was listening to an episode on there, which is like, I forget who was talking. Somebody was a, some sort of like educated person like a doctor or something that studied this um was talking about like the therapeutic effects of um mushrooms psilocybin um on like mental disorders um and during the study that i think he did um they measured they noticed that there was like a certain kind of swelling in like an area of the brain that was always there with people who had like certain mental issues um like depression etc um and i think they also talked about bipolar I, um, I googled it they um i think they're talking about um depression nicotine addiction and alcohol addiction there may be okay. others as well but those are the ones that came up for me just now okay um, anyway, so they were talking about that there was like some sort of um, swelling in the part of the brain. And mm -hmm. after being treated with psilocybin, that um, they didn't have like the symptoms or like a lot of decreased symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. And also the swelling in the brain was really decreased or gone. Interesting. So yeah, it is interesting. Um, and I... I basically like don't have like my bipolar like symptoms anymore. And I haven't experienced anything close to what I used to live with, like for a long time. So sure. yeah, that's really interesting. I, I haven't been able to find anything on Wikipedia about that, but um, mm -hmm. that is really awesome to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, I had noticed that like it had that, effect on me and that I wasn't mm -hmm. like struggling with that. And mm -hmm. then I heard that on the podcast and I was like, Oh, oh my God. Right. <laughs> like maybe this is what it was totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to get through all the research I probably should have done before doing this podcast. 
um, which is not something that's possible. Um, there's so much that really, sure. like, you I could look into. I remember, like, the name of the, but I don't remember. So vague, that's, everything that's okay. you said. But... <laughs> if, that's okay. I think one of the things that's nice about being less mentally ill is, like, as I gradually get better, I care less about specifics, whereas I used to be mm. fixated on accuracy and specifics, and, like, it had to be just oh, yeah. so. It was... It was the kind of psychopathology that's really useful for certain jobs, but that ultimately right. doesn't serve me as a human being. I'd rather be much less stressed about it and produce like a less polished podcast, if that makes sense. Whereas like I could produce an extremely accurate podcast, but that would like what that would cost me wouldn't be right. worth it for me, I think. So yeah. The interesting anyway, thing is the then, yeah, then the burden falls on listeners to just do their own research, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. You were saying. I was going to say, like, the point of all that was just, like, my anecdotal, like, story about my experience and then just, like, using that as, like, something I heard that, like, confirmed what I experienced. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, valid. There's nothing wrong with being, like, oh, yeah. I'm super curious. Like, is this is this what happened to me? Because I had really similar symptoms that sort of mm -hmm. fit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So have you done any um, – you, you've done psychedelics other than mushrooms then? Um. I have done acid, um, mm -hmm. 2CB, although that is also considered like not really, but it does have, cause it's also stimulant, but it also has some psychoactive properties. Um, MDMA is kind of like the same kind of realm can have some psychoactive effects, but mostly stimulant, um, like 2,5B, um, and kind of like, I think I've done a couple different ones kind of like in that realm. Um, I have done dmt once um i'm super curious <laughs> i'm super curious about all of these because i've only done mushrooms and the experience mm -hmm. i had was so divorced from like what most people have so i'll probably end up being off my antidepressants at some point after the winter and then i'm probably going to do some experimentation with psychedelics um, and then see how I feel. But I feel like for me, that is probably a better treatment plan for my major depressive disorder than like to continue on medication for my entire life, which I might end up doing anyways. And I'm good with that. Um, and I recognize that I'm going to be a slightly different person after I do psychedelics than I am now. And I'm not convinced that's a bad thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to be a slightly different person. And the fact is like, I can't be married to like a static version of myself. So like mm -hmm. if I'm so focused on growth and change and yeah, there are things I absolutely love about myself the way they are, but there aren't that many of them. And my hope is that those will stick around <laughs> that when I, when I'm sort of putting myself back together after an experience of ego death, that I'll be able to choose the pieces that make the most sense and that I trust mm -hmm. myself to pick, you know, the pieces that make me, me. Yeah, totally. And I, think when it comes to psychedelics it's really important to listen to your intuition and your gut and like to really pay attention to like am I ready am I not ready like do I feel like I want really am ready for this like whatever it is so I think it's great that like you have that level of self-awareness to know that like now you're ready to explore I think so yeah mm -hmm. I just have to wait wait on you know, the pharmaceuticals and the winter and the seasons being ready. Cause like, I don't right. want to go off my meds right as winter's hitting. Cause I feel like that's setting myself up for a really bad situation. Right. But if I wait that's until fair. like March and I go off my meds in March, I'm thinking that's probably when I'm going to give it a shot. And then the flip side of that is ADHD medication. I'm thinking what my brain really needs is probably ADHD medication, but it's been really hard to separate depression from ADHD for me. So I'm thinking I might... Mm. I might, I'm not sure which I want to try first, whether I want to try the 
ADHD medication first or whether I want to try this first and mm. who knows. Well, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Change is coming for the better. It is. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. That's a really wonderful thing to leave me with. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor or tweet me at Intimate Victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>